0: My name is Milo, and this is Talk, my watchdog, and we've been sentenced to six million years for. Ah! Six million? That's not a sentence, that's a number. It's against the law to mention numbers here in Dictionopolis. Words are the only things that matter. I'm sorry, your kingship, sir. After all, my boy, you couldn't have one fine day without the day, could you? You couldn't have tea for two without the tea, could you? You couldn't have three blind mice without the mice, could you? So you see, Milo, words are really very...
1: Ugh, I fucking hate words. They're the darn worst. There's nothing that ever good came from words. Words are for suckers. All I need are numbers. Numbers are who I am. One plus one equals two. I am I am the number guy.
2: Wow, wow. Of course, of course. You like numbers so much. You're gonna do the simplest fucking equation on the planet. Sounds like you numbers people. You're all a bunch of a bunch of friendless dorks.
1: Yeah, well I don't need people when I have numbers. They keep me company. Everything is numbers. Ones and zeros are all you need when it comes to a computer. Your computers couldn't work without numbers, goddammit.
2: We wouldn't have a podcast without words, Michael.
1: We couldn't be recording on programs without numbers.
2: Be recording on your mom. That
1: doesn't work. You're making shit up now. That's what people with words do. They just make shit up. Me and my numbers, we live in logic. We live in reality.
2: (laughs) It's so stupid.
1: Stupid because you know I'm right.
2: This is stupid argument. <laughs> I don't need anyone. Numbers are my friends. That sounds like schizophrenia, Michael. You should talk to a
1: doctor. Well, I, 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 I have a doctor friend. His name is Mr. Number Nine, Doctor Number Nine, and, uh, and he says all I need are numbers. And is his favorite song
2: it. Mambo Number Five? Uh,
1: you know Doctor <laughs> Number Nine? <laughs> Uh, Anyways, past the stupid <laughs> bit, uh, <laughs> we're just doing stupid shit because we just read the Phantom Tollbooth, which happens to have two characters that hate each other. They were brothers, and one loves words and one loves numbers, and they can't. They started agree on a anything. fucking war over it. Yep. Oh, and, there goes Violet. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> Violet. You think you think words are so cool? Fuck you, Violet.
2: Oh, Fucking my cat, fuck you.
1: <laughs> uh. Anyways, we're at Fan Fuddle Booth. It was written by Norton Juster. And it's a weird tale. And I haven't read this since I was a kid. And it was really weird going back to it. Yeah. But, uh, hi, uh, Andrea, this was your first time, right? First uh, being a number and everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know. It was, and it's. How do I summarize this book? I mean, it, it's fun. I mean,
1: it's um. Uh, sort of summarize it.
2: All right, this isn't one of our battles of the summaries. So you can do the goddamn summary. I was just saying, like my thoughts on it. Um. Oh, unless okay. you want to take that too, Michael. You want to tell me what my thoughts on this book are? No. <laughs> This is what happens when you start a numbers words debate at the top of the show. We just... It, it's all fucked up from here. But anyway. Like, it's a fun story. It's wittily written. It's... It, a lot happens. Lots of zany characters. And, like, it was fun to listen to. It's not my favorite thing we've ever covered. Oh, no. Which is okay. But I enjoyed it. it. It did seem very keen on teaching children many lessons, which is okay, but I feel like they were... There were quite a lot of lessons for kids within this one story. It's like, all right, one at a time.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like where Secret Garden was just saying, hey, you need to go outside and play. This one is like, no, I'm going to tell you everything in order to try to prepare you for adulthood and having a productive life. And as nice as that is, it was a lot.
2: Yeah, and I I really liked the silliness that stayed throughout I mean you know how we were talking about the debate between numbers and words like it it's just a a backdrop of an adventure in a crazy place to you know go through some simple I think life lessons but I really love especially at the start when our narrator's describing Milo and Milo is this kid that is always changing his mind and i like that descriptor of any time he wanted to get out of class he wanted to go back to class and like vice versa like he just (laughs) never knew what he wanted to do
1: yeah he was a the most indecisive kid and he never knew what to do with himself but in the end a random box appeared on his in his bedroom and he decided hey why not let's open this random box and uh, a toll booth appeared in a car and he took him to another realm with, I guess, a realm of imagination. Which, I mean, I guess is really what, like, that's sort of like what the silliness is, is it's just the absurdity of the human imagination and anything's possible. Anything's possible as long as you know it's not possible. So, you have wacky characters, like dogs who have watches attached to them. It's a it's a very weird tale because it's not like it's not structured in any sort of way. It's sort of like one thing happens right after another, and there's no like I mean I guess the cohesion is there and the at some point Milo finds out that he needs to go to the castle in the sky and save Rhyme and Reason, these two princesses that were locked away by the two ruling brothers. But there really isn't like besides that, there's no real rhyme or reason for shit that happens in the book is uh-huh. just sort of uh yeah <laughs> thanks <laughs> um there's uh there's it's just basically one thing happens after another and it's really Norton justiter just trying to have fun playing with idioms and sayings that have been around for quite some time which is fun i'll admit it's fun it's just There's no real point besides the fact that sometimes he's trying to make a lesson out of it. Yeah. And sometimes the lesson is just basically, hey, just enjoy life. I I feel like that's what a lot of the lesson is. But it's just, hey, enjoy life. Enjoy the world around you and notice the world around you. Notice the sounds, the words, the numbers, everything. There's There's a point to everything even when it seems like there is no point and it's your job to use all this knowledge to the best of your ability.
2: True. I don't know if you uh, so. we both listened to the audible version narrated by Rain Wilson, who
1: mm-hmm. is an
2: amazing narrator.
1: Yeah. I was actually surprised at how good it was.
2: Right. Um, and it starts off with a nice little intro from Norman Jester, which I really enjoyed. And my favorite part of it was talking about how he was screwing up with... uh, He was screwing with the guy doing the illustrations. And he had said he always wanted to put a map in a novel. And the person doing the drawings hated doing maps. So he's like, this kicked off a weird sort of like kind of instance of us messing with each other. So he... The guy doing the drawings also hated to do horses. So when he drew someone on a horse, he turned it into a big cat instead. And uh, Norman's like, I got my revenge because when I described the three demons, I said one was very slender, one was very large, and the third one looked just like the other two. And I was like, I just thought that was really beautifully done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's that makes the book even more ridiculous. <laughs> mhm. But and I, I have to say, you know, there. You, I, like it's not the greatest book ever but you know they really you can't have a bad book that has a map in it you know i've never read a book that that's had a map in it that i hated so you know kuda's the norton juster really wanting a map in his book true but uh this this story it got adapted in 1970 um one of the directors obviously the he must have been the director of the animation was chuck jones Famous for, you know, Looney Tunes and all of uh, so, some of the greatest animated shows ever. So the animation in the movie is, it's pretty good. I will, I, and, and it's sort of, and, and I know I, I, I said this to you earlier when we were talking, Andrea, there's just, this is like one of those stories that it's kind of, I feel like it's hard to adapt visually just because of how ridiculous everything is. I yeah. mean you you have you have the illustrations in the book but it's sort of there's nothing that will be more interesting than what's in your own head and so like I I would see certain things while watching the, the film and I'm just like I would have done it differently or it's sort of like especially like I hated I hated the fact that it it basically like like the road itself that, that that's the road between everything it It's sort of this crazy winding road, but I wanted to like actually see i guess in in my headspace i I saw like an actual like you know real country or something, something like really fantastical, but it's just sort of like kind of just random shapes and a weird looking road because animators can be really lazy, and also it's the nineteen seventies they just came out of the sixties with doing a bunch of l s d and shit so
2: I thought certain instances did look really nice. There's the part where uh, Milo is conducting and the times Mm -hmm. of day keep changing. And I thought that looked really nice, like especially how the sky would get colorful by like stripes. And then the moon and the sun are basically bumping each other off and then like just crazy, which didn't. Like, it didn't necessarily make sense with the story, because the story is he's just supposed to make a week go by, and the times of day keep changing. But then, like, they started having, like, the sun exploded at one point in the animation, which I'm like, that would be a whole different problem. But, like, it was fun. (laughs) So, obviously, like, just make it fun if you want. Like, it was really nice to look at. Um, And then I I I really... I
1: I, I was just going to say, like, I mean, as much as, like, I do agree that was fun, I thought the way it was described in the book was a bit more fun because like everything ends up losing its color and sort of just yeah. looks like a blank page was how it was described and I I don't know there's something about that as well like if they had done if they tried to animate it as close to uh, Norton Juster's description I think it c- would have been fun as well I, I it's sort of I don't know. They were just playing with shapes and stuff, which is, which looks cool and reminded me of Jim Henson's uh, animations that he did. But I don't know. It, it it was like, it, it almost was, and it was also almost, I felt like a homage maybe to Disney's Fantasia with when you have Mickey Mouse doing the whole symphony stuff. Yeah. But, I don't know. I I like I I did like it. It's just to me, it just it I liked how it was done in the book better, and that I, that'll be most things that we cover. But anyways, go ahead with what you were saying. Your next the next thing.
2: Rhyme and reason looked cool. Yeah, they're like these faceless, shimmering sort of floating princesses, and like I could see the Fantasia inspiration there too of like transforming the landscape from this barren thing to something very colorful and saturated. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see what
1: you mean yeah uh, uh the one also the uh, one point that i really i did like that was animated the, in the animation was the uh the demons um when they were sort of chasing them at the end. I liked how sketchy they looked because mm-hmm. it was really reminiscent to uh jules jewel Pfeiffer's illustrations in the book um and how sketchy his his illustrations are, so I really liked the way those the 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 demon portrayal and the uh i i i i I love the i I forget what is what his name is there's so many fucking characters in this book so i'm not going to remember them all their names but the demon that had no face as well Mm -hmm. and i i and who who just basically makes people do meaningless tasks to distract them from the things that are actually important which Um, what a
2: good concept for a demon too
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, that was brilliant. I like that demon, and I really like the demon who was not as scary as it says it was. Yeah, um, and it's just like a little, a fluff ball, basically. But uh, uh, it's it, more into like the the film. It uh, and I, I think it's something you also hated was the fact that it kind of got turned into a Disney musical. Yes, and so basically, you have like these two to three minute songs that take up time, and I'm like, I'm like, if, I, if you got rid of all of these numbers, ha, numbers. Um, but uh, if you got rid of all these numbers in the film, and um, that actually added some of the other characters that were in the story, like they they didn't have Alec, which was, I think, a really fun way to talk about how when you grow up your perspective changes and one another one of my favorite characters the 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 world's shortest giant the world's tallest dwarf the the slimmest fat man and the fattest slim man mm-hmm. <laughs> just sort of this one character who lives in this house that has four sides and he is all of he's has basically doing all these things so he can have four jobs and (laughs) be able to survive um i don't know there's just something funny I've, i've always found something funny about that and that's like stuck with me since i was a kid so it's always been like one of my favorite characters
2: yeah that's a good one so in terms of the movie like yeah i didn't enjoy adding songs i did and I already told you this. I enjoy that they weren't full-length songs like you'd get in a Disney movie, where they start a song and you're like, "Great, this is what we're doing for the next three minutes," is singing the song. These at mm-hmm. least were like shorter. They didn't have like verses and choruses and all of that. It was just kind of like, "All right, we're gonna sing a few lines." Um, but I think my one of my bigger gripes that they changed is when the Watchdog comes up, you get to hear his ridiculous but sad backstory of how. Yeah. So the dog in the movie, it's just his name is his talk. But the whole point when Milo asks his name in the book, he starts on this sad story of how he had a brother who got named Tick and then he was not a watchdog.
1: No, he was a watchdog, but his watch went talk, 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 His
2: his watch went talk. And then when our watchdog was born... They were like, we're not going to make the mistake again. So they named him talk, but his watch goes tick, tick, tick. So they're both just stuck with the <laughs> wrong names and it makes him so miserable. And uh, I just love that. Absolutely bonker story.
1: Hmm. I I agree. That's, that's one of my uh, favorite little side notes, I guess. Like just sort of, I guess, character notes in the book. Because there's always like, there's, The characters are just so fucking weird like the the weatherman which ended up in the movie he's great but he's not like a weatherman he's a weatherman and he doesn't know whether what to be um and the witch was great and one thing i thought about was you know they said they were going to come back and save the witch and they never do they just fucking leave her in the prison
2: (laughs) but at least in the movie like you get to see her walk out
1: yeah, that's true.
2: But in the book, yeah, like he said he'll come back and then I'm just finishing it going like the poor witch.
1: Yep. They didn't come back for the witch. The nicest lady <laughs> who uh in the book made them realize that they didn't have to they could just leave whenever they wanted out of the jail. But there's there's a lot of really clever characters like Can Be was fun. I mean, it's it's obviously like a very g- great tale of A character that can be anything but he's sort of like milo and very and because he's can be he's indecisive like he could be the bravest person in the world or he could be the most timid person in the world and true i don't know there's certain. there's just some really great characters that i feel like they missed out on some opportunities with because and i felt like they just decided hey we're just going to do musical numbers just to pad out these certain scenes instead of just sort of going through all these things which as we mentioned there's a lot of I guess lessons and maybe they felt like it was too many lessons because and but I don't know there's something just fun about each little individual part at least in the book true
2: and I did like the characters that they left out but I also read a review where someone said it's already too much. They're like you the if you have actual children watching this, they're meeting about 20 characters throughout the course of it, and mm-hmm. they they were arguing that's a lot to keep them invested, which I can I can definitely kind of see. Like I think you must be reading this to the most fucking proficient child for them to really understand all the jokes and be that into it and I understand some that might be service for the parents reading it but I do think you probably want an older child to get fully into this one as opposed to you know younger kids.
1: And that's one thing uh, going back to through this book I felt like like being an adult I'm able to I was able to pick up on so many things and I'm like oh I probably missed out on so much of this book just yeah. cuz I didn't fully understand. I didn't understand certain idioms, and I didn't um, understand certain words because I think I read this in like elementary school. So at that point, you're kind of too young to to have a full understanding of the book. But it's, I guess, technically, it's geared towards. I don't know. I like guess kind of weird. It's a weird book because it's. I'm not really sure who it's geared to. Um, I guess. I'm re- I'm just looking at the back of my book, and it's, I th- I think it w- is geared for nine to twelve year olds, which I could see it being more like a middle school book, even though usually by that time you want more structured stories. So it's a weird, and 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 it's kind of tough to actually talk about um, just because of how bizarre and almost fever dream like the this story is, where it's just one thing after another. And things just happen.
2: True. And I do want to say the illustrator is Jules Pfeiffer because we have to give kudos to the illustrators.
1: One thing I uh, one thing in the film that I I I sort of hated, I didn't think they did the I don't know. I guess maybe because it's it's at that it's it because it's the 1970s, and it this might have been the. I don't know it wasn't it wasn't the first film to do animation with live action I, that might have been Mary Poppins which would have been before this but it's sort of the the, the transition from live action to the uh, to the animation I thought like it, it basically was like they, they stretched out this scene for what was like almost like a minute to, to a minute and a half of Milo trying to decide if he wanted to go into the other world and it's kind of unnecessary because it doesn't happen in the book but it's just sort of i felt like they were like oh hey look we're turning into an animated film now (laughs) we're doing it (laughs) so i don't know it was just a gripe that i had
2: yeah no, i'm with you yeah and early on like i guess there were these kind of changes that Like, some were subtle. For example, like, I really loved the Lethargians. Yeah. But, and I like how they were drawn. Like, they were really good for, like, the sort of blob people that you read about. Mm -hmm. But the weird thing is, like, as Milo's getting sleepy, they just looked really nefarious. Like, it wasn't so much of just they're in the realm of not getting work done, but they literally are kind of, it looks like, creeping up on him. Like, they're trying to entrap him towards the end. Which, yeah. I didn't see that as being with the whole concept of the novel because the whole thing is you're supposed to be telling, I guess, like, you know, his point is to show children that getting things done is important, but, like, these emotions people have or, like, these states of mind aren't, like, evil, they're just human, and he's just telling kids be self aware. I don't know. That vibe seemed a little
1: off. Uh you have a great point and cuz like in the book the lethargians are just sort of like you know you kind of don't need to do anything and you can just stay here with us sort of thing and yeah. we'll just do that and we'll just do that and you're right it, it, it was more so like in the movie they sort of made them more like the demons where yeah. they're trying to trick and manipulate people and and also with the lethargians in the movie i i didn 't like the way that they were voice act because I actually couldn't understand what they were saying sometimes, and when they did their specific musical number, there was sections of the song i couldn't understand what they were saying so yeah. that's that was something i didn't like, but I do agree like it was a it looked great and I liked the whole I guess, sort of swampy vibe of everything. It was a great visual way of basically showing everything slowing down and being forced to be stuck. But, yeah, no, uh, the they're not supposed to be manipulative. So that's something that the movie definitely got wrong.
2: Um, oh, God, I'm going to throw it back to the demons for a second. Oh, please do. Because something I really enjoyed is so the demon of... Of the senseless tasks, I like when he's following them, and the humbug is like kind of falling for it, and the stuff he's saying, like he's like, "There's so many nails to bite, there's so many paper clips to unwind." Like their examples were <laughs> hilarious.
1: <laughs> oh, the humbug is such a great character. Like he's he's a kind of an asshole, but like it was actually nice to have that type of character come along with Milo and, and talk. Um, yeah. So you just had, like, this other character that thought differently than the other two. I mean, Milo obviously being, you know, very indecisive and, I mean, and, and what is great is towards the end, he he finally understands and uses his mind to to figure things out. But the Humbug is just a nice sort of addition because you would think it, it, it you the the one character that would have come along would be the spelling bee who's like this sort of like happy character who's just like spelling things but you have the humbug come along to sort of i have a different perspective and it really helps with a nice the nice play between the characters um, especially between the humbug and talk a lot
2: very true. I was also happy to discover that A's have a sweet taste. That they was do. nice. <laughs> There's
1: nothing like a good taste in A. You know.
2: <laughs> and C's uh. are nice and crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I I uh, that's one thing. Like, and uh, uh, this is going on to that where like the whole uh, the royal the royal banquet that happens and. Milo has to give a speech, and so he actually tries to give a speech. And he's like, oh, I didn't know I have to eat my own words. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, like, one of those great, clever playing with idioms in the English language. And I I don't know. Like, it's just... It's shit like that that I really like, all the puns and 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 playing with words. Like, it's is probably, like... This is obviously a a book about the love of the English language and just basically playing with it to its most extent. So I, I do appreciate it.
2: And ultimately, I mean, that's I think what's so great about this story is the playfulness. And then, like you said, having even a character like the humbug around, the whole point to me of the story is you're going to have and encounter many different people in your life and that's okay um mm-hmm. like shit could be fun instead of disagreeable that was the word so it was like there's a right word somewhere <laughs> hovering in the ether i just have to snatch it
1: well, maybe you need to, maybe you need to buy some words
2: you know a fucking good idea michael
1: <laughs> you yeah. know You could. uh, What? What is it? You can buy. uh, You could. Maybe you should start off with a bunch of happies and goods.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow! Thank you.
1: But uh, yeah, it's it's a fun, silly, sweet book that doesn't take itself too seriously. And like, honestly, like reading it as a adult, I'm like, ah, these are actually some lessons. I that's actually good to hear right now. yeah uh and sort of like it, it touches a lot on like the whole you know there is no correct path, life takes you around, and there's no issue with that, and that really there's something to learn from everything that you do, and that's happened to you so
2: well the 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 one well well, there are two wrong paths, and one lands you in the door, drums. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the <door. laughs>
2: and the other one is jumping to conclusions
1: That's true Well, I guess also uh, another one is living in, a, living in a mirage, you know That's true There was true. that in the book where there's a whole city that's a mirage There, there, there was two, one, was it Mirage and Illusion, was that what it was? Where one was far from away from the city it looked great, and then there was one where the city looked horrible, but like the people were happy because they were just living in complete illusion and disillusion and whatnot so it's uh i don't know it's fun. That sounds it's right. silly <laughs> it's something like that <laughs> and I'm kind of as much as i i think it's fun and silly it, i think it was a smart move to to skip out on the um the the 0.58s of a boy
2: <laughs> yeah
1: um because he's he's the he's uh the average kid so there's the uh, the average family has 2.58 kids at that yeah. <laughs> time period so he's only 0.58 of a kid. And as much as fun as that is in the book, it really has no point besides fucking Norton Juster just sort of coming up with a, another silly thing to play off of. But yeah, I, I, that's sort of like one section of the book that I was just like, huh, there's really... There actually is kind of no point to this one character. <laughs> there's uh <laughs> It's just sort of him having his fun, it seemed, (laughs) writing it.
2: True. I will say I have a very specific fear after reading this book of if they ever make food that makes you hungrier. That sounds horrible.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: I felt so much sympathy for the characters. They're all super hungry and they finally get food and they just keep getting hungry and hungry. And I'm like, this is horrible. I would never wish this upon anyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's basically celery.
2: No, celery just burns calories for you. It doesn't mean it makes you hungrier, Michael.
1: I mean, all right, that's a fair point.
2: Yeah, that's right. Mm. <laughs> Welcome to weight loss tips. <laughs> 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 Eat some celery. we now guys. a Weight
1: Watchers. We're now a Weight Watchers podcast.
2: <laughs> well, I think Dictionopolis beats Digitopolis' ass. <laughs>
1: What are you talking about? They have the world's (laughs) largest three.
2: That that is the best number. I'll give that to them.
1: mm -hmm.
2: Fuck all the other ones, but three, three's good.
1: Three was the largest number there ever was.
2: Uh. Well, if you round up two point five eight, Michael, you get three.
1: That's true. You got you got a point there. Math lessons.
2: (laughs) We got everything. Weight loss. Math lessons, <laughs> beefs <Words>. over nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're, that's, what, that's what we do here on this podcast. We, we try to make sure that we include every possible thing to try to teach a lesson about everything. We got the best lessons. And, you know, if you, if you stick around with us, who knows what you could learn?
2: Probably nothing at all.
1: Probably very true. <laughs> uh, I was disappointed. Uh, I I was just re- reminding remembering that in the end that they that Milo didn't figure out in the movie that time flies and so they were able to ride, talk, <laughs> and float down from the castle in the sky.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's
1: just like one of those. That's one thing that the movie misses out on is some of the really clever playing with words and using it as um a way for the character to have weird interactions and actions themselves I guess. So you have Time Flies and <laughs> they're able to ride Talk cuz he's a watchdog, but yeah, it's it's all right though. They did a fine job, I guess. Or the ending. It was, there was a lot going on there and a nice m- music that was going.
2: True. And I have to say, I think the ending is a lot more sweet in the novel. Like, you know, Milo comes out and he was like, wow, what an adventure. And he's super tired. He skips dinner. He goes to sleep. And then he wants to go back. But the game is gone. And. Yeah he has the realization of like, you know what? I know how to have an adventure. Now I have things I could go do outside. I have all these books that are an adventure within themselves. And like, he had a really nice send off from everyone in the novel as well. Um, But then in the movie, there's just like, you know, the box is repacking itself and flying away, which is
1: fine. But, but now his friend Ralph has the box.
2: Yeah, whatever. We don't care about Ralph.
1: (laughs) I mean, really, we don't. We never see his face, so... <laughs> to me, Ralph doesn't even exist.
2: Yeah, fuck you, Ralph.
1: Talk exists more than Ralph does. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh... Do you have anything else before we... <laughs> Cause I really don't.
2: No. I think we covered it all.
1: That's the Phantom Toll Booth, A weird, wacky tale. You know, I... I've... Would probably recommend reading it if you want something sort of lighthearted and you're you're a fan of puns and witticisms. I would I would recommend it for that. It's definitely not something I f- feel that the average person needs to read. Yeah, but it's definitely not something I would say. Hey, you have to go out and and get it right now. And really, I kind of the the movie's fine, but. It just doesn't really compare to the book. And so there's better animated films out there. I'm not, so I can't really recommend the movie, but it was fine to at least look at for what yeah. we're doing.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I we covered it because I just, I like I told you, I think I read it for school when I was much younger, but I didn't remember it that well. Um, so, yeah. And next week, we're covering...
1: Matilda.
2: We're going to go on another wacky adventure. Hell yeah. I'm really excited for it. I have not actually read this. I've just seen the movie. So you should join us.
1: Join us and uh, read Matilda. And uh, we'll see how uh, how much it's like the movie. How, much, how similar they are.
2: We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye. You
0: better be very careful, ma'am. There's a witch around here somewhere. Well, of course there is. I am she. Faintly macabre. The not-so-wicked witch. There, you see. Official witch. Kingdom of wisdom. Oh, a witch. Like the weatherman. Of course. The weatherman is my brother. At least he used to be. I don't know whether he still is. I haven't seen him in years. Have a cookie. The question marks are delicious. What does a witch do? Well, I used to help people choose which words to use. Which were the most proper and fitting words for any and all occasions. Mm. But when rhyme and reason were banished... Rhyme and reason? Yes, Milo. When the two kings had their terrible quarrel, Azaz insisted that words were far more important than numbers and hence his kingdom was truly the greater. And when the mathematician claimed that numbers were much more important than words and therefore his kingdom was supreme, why then naturally they asked the princess of sweet rhyme and the princess of pure reason to settle the question. And what did they decide? What is the most important? Words or numbers? The princesses decided that words and numbers are of equal value.